Medical information obtained from our website or on the live show is not intended to be a substitute for professional care. If you have, or you suspect you might, have an illness or other medical condition, you should consult a health care provider. The opinions expressed on this radio program are not necessarily those of the sports doctor, this radio show, or their sponsors. Hey everybody, live from Chicago, welcome. It's the Sports Doctor. I'm Dr. Bob Wild, sports podiatrist, all things sports, medicine, fitness, and wellness, brought to you by Global Schoolwear, styling school uniforms by Tommy Hilfiger, Lower Extremity Review, LER and MVP Parent Magazines, UK Health Radio. Hey everybody, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's also Mental Health Awareness Month. Two huge topics. Pay attention. We got a great doubleheader today. Dr. Scott Clark, he's a sports chiropractic physician, former pro tennis strength and conditioning specialist who toured with these uh, great pros probably a decade or so. He's returning along with my son, Adam Weil, who's the CEO of Global Schoolwear, school uniforms by Tommy Hilfiger. Then the sports doctor's in with some Bob Guida wisdom, some emails. Hey, Dr. Scott, welcome back to the Sports Doctor. It's great to be back, Bob. Give us some background on yourself, uh, the, uh, your sports Cairo world, the tennis world. Give us some quickie background uh, on that, Scott. Bob, I've been working with the sports medicine field since the mid-1980s, and I've worked with all of the major professional sports teams now. Uh, with both assessing athletes and training athletes. Uh, most recently on the professional tennis tour for 10 years. Uh, and it's, it's interesting, having worked with all the pro sports, uh, I was surprised to find that tennis players were one of the tough to train. Uh, Year-round season, changing uh, courts, which changes the game, uh, dealing with a lot of travel, time changes, and everything else. Well, let me tell you, uh, when COVID hit, uh, I moved into the corporate world, took a job in health and safety with a large corporation, and am now working with, I like to call, industrial athletes. And I tell you what, our pro sports players got nothing on these guys. Oh, that's uh, right. These guys, you know, whether you're talking they, first responders, you know, when I've had policemen, I've had firemen, first responders uh, on the show. For years, we would talk about that they had to be great athletes uh, and yeah. uh, lending that type of expertise. You know, it's interesting, Dr. Scott. You know, for years, we have a contest once or twice a year, which sports require the best athletes. Tennis is always up there. Again, even, you know, physically, but, you know, way back when, when you first started working with these players, and heck, I saw McEnroe, man, when he was a 20-year-old uh, hot rod, uh, the uh, tennis players didn't the strength train. All they did was play more tennis. Uh, they have come a long way, baby, haven't they? They, they, they certainly have. Uh, a, a big part of their training is strength conditioning, functional training in particular, a lot of movement skills, uh, things, things of that nature. But uh, not only the training, but the recovery aspect is something huge. Uh, that we didn't used to do before. So uh, the, the uh, pre-match, pre-practice warm-ups, the recoveries totally changed in the last 10 or 15 years. The fact that you were able to add to the athletic training world and the physical therapy world with athletes and great uh, various sports, you also added the incredibly important chiropractic sports medicine world uh, which today is, is uh, knock on wood, very, very routine. It's not a great sports team, not a great sports athlete. It doesn't include chiropractic medicine. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. I, I practice chiropractic from a very musculoskeletal standpoint uh, and basically looked at the body uh, like a machine and how is your machine functioning. And, you know, uh, I think too many times in Western medicine, we get hung up on treating symptoms and treating the site of pain 
And one of my philosophies in working with any athlete is he who treats at the site of pain is lost. And Bob, as a podiatrist, she would know if you have foot issues, those foot issues can cause knee issues, hip issues, back issues. Ah, that's how we go back uh, all these years, Dr. Scott. We, yeah, we were rooting for the right. same players uh, that uh, you had referred over. We added orthotics to the overall mix of everything else you were doing. Again, you, like my late great colleague Bob Guida, who you also spent all sorts of time with, always had a great regard for the role of the foot. And again, its effect on uh, other, other parts of the body and you mentioned something real early on where you said the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, what was the term you used? Uh, the working athlete? Indust- no. Yep. Industrial athlete. Ah, I like that. Right. Bingo. The industrial athlete and the fact, like you said, they don't have to take a back seat to anybody. Think about somebody jumping on and off a truck 400 times a day or carrying all sorts of heavy stuff. Or, again, running up the stairs, uh, fighting a fire with 80 pounds of equipment on their back, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, 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 Are you involved with Dr. Pepper at this point in time? Yeah. Yeah, it's Keurig Dr. Pepper. I work primarily on the Dr. Pepper side, and uh, we distribute 125 different brands of beverages. So I'm working with uh, what we call order selectors in the warehouse. Uh, drivers who are out delivering to the stores, merchandisers who are merchandising products. Hey, you're going to have some effect on the ingredients that go into all the different sodas, that kind of challenge. Good luck to you. You know, I got to be careful there. I got to be careful there. When it comes to sports (laughs) drinks and hydration and all of these things. So I'm sure you're going to lend a lot of that important side of things. You know, we all know how important the nutritional side is uh, and, and et cetera. And I've always felt, Again, that the uh, over the years, I don't know how many dozens of chiropractic physicians I've had on. And again, the fact that you guys initiated the tremendous attention to both nutrition and exercise to medicine. You know, you guys were never right. about prescribing drugs and giving injections uh, surgically is the only you who you were hands on. Now, medicine has tremendous regard uh, for that uh, combination, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. It's all about fueling and proper fueling. You know, you can't, you can't put 87 test gasoline in a race car. It's just not going to run. Uh, you know, and, and also we can get specific enough with nutrition now that we can break it right down to you need more of these specific amino acids, et cetera, just, just for performance. So. Yeah. Nutrition is coming hands long on. Way as well. Again, the, the yeah. hands on, the massage therapy, the soft tissue therapist, uh, the chiropractic physiatry, you know, adding DOs, adding hands on to so many of these different problems. Everybody's aware of the nightmare that we have seen over the decades with pain pills and pain medicine. It's, you know, it's another 10 uh, uh, radio shows. Everybody listening to the sports doctor. I'm Dr. Bob Wild, sports podiatrist. Yeah. If you go to my uh, website, sportsdoctorradio.com, if you go over radio shows, you can go back years, all sorts of topics, all sorts of experts in all areas of sports medicine, fitness, and wellness. We have thousands of followers, lots of great sports medicine information. Uh, uh, if we go over to newspaper articles and magazines, a lot of great stuff. This Lower Extremity Review magazine that I contribute to, and we're very excited about all these things involved with MVP uh, parent magazine. We're talking chiropractic physician, Dr. Scott Clark, uh, talking about, again, you know, traveling with some of these athletes um, and or being involved in their lives and their coaches and their families. You know, I got to ask you, how is all your sports psychology skills, Dr. Scott? <laughs> How'd that Boy, go? I really, I, re- I really had to tune them up because every player was different. Every situation was different. You know, some guys were married. Some guys were single. We had coaches with different uh, personalities, coaches with different philosophies. You know, the difference with tennis compared to any other sport is it's a year-round sport. We start at Christmas time in Australia and go through Thanksgiving. So there's no off season to train 
uh, like other sports. There's no off-season to recover. No, and you know, also, so Dr. Had, Scott, I have, a, I have a chapter in my book. I call it the prodigy sports. You know, all doctors, therapists, experts, we want kids to grow up playing lots of sports, use different parts of the body. This is what we want them to do. That's great. Unless you're a gymnast or a figure skater, and I include tennis, where we're talking about 10, 11, 12-year-olds already. This is all they want to do. Uh, and mm-hmm. these kinds of demands, uh, you know, our old friend, again, the late, great Bob Guida, who today I'm going to talk about, I, we talk about strength in the eye. He said, picture a tennis player swinging a racket a thousand times a week. We got to strengthen all of these opposites, uh, you know, but you got these uh, very, very young, very serious tennis players. It's a challenge, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. You know, I've Carlos designed, Alcatraz, uh, where the guy's 20 years old, man, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've designed programs for my young tennis players and had dads come into me and say, how come we're not bench pressing? Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, how many times are you going to bench press in a tennis match? That's exactly the opposite of what Bob was talking about training, right? We yes. wanted to train the posterior is his. Well, uh, that's that term. You, know, you, mentioned, you mentioned that term, I think, which now, you know, years ago, medicine didn't know how to spell it. Uh, functional training, you know, being able to determine what exactly is this athlete doing. Now, there's nothing that a tennis player is not doing. Flying through the air, stopping, starting, changing direction. This is why the sport of pickleball, which has exploded, and I wrote in 2021 about, hey, let's be careful. we got all these seniors. Hey, let's play pickleball. And, you know, everybody's getting injured every time uh, you look. What are some of the challenges um, that you see, uh, again, in the industrial athlete um, world that you're dealing with and trying to educate uh, these people? You know, it, a, a big thing that I see is the volume of work that they have to do coming into the job. And let me give you an example, Bob. Our cases of product can weigh up to 40 pounds. And these guys are expected to move 200 cases an hour. That's eight thousand pounds an hour or 200 cases an hour wow yes so these guys are pushing eighty thousand pounds of product a day every day sometimes six days a week you think about how many how many professional athletes are moving that kind of volume they're not you know even a football player a big lineman doing power lifting power training yes what Let alone, again, the, sa- the sameness, the sameness, the repetitive, same everything you're doing time after right. time. Big. Uh, how have you found the industry, uh, the workers, uh, how much tuned in have they been even in, you know, the idea of, of uh, what you're really, really talking about at this uh, realization that the, the, the industrial athlete. It- the industry is coming more into alignment with it. It's not something that's been there all the time. Good word. They're coming, you know, into, it, proper, it, coming into proper alignment, Dr. Scott. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, they use the term onboarding for new hiring. I call it preseason, you know, <laughs> where we're, we're building up strength. We're building up endurance. We're teaching ergonomics or coaching, right? It's, it's the same. It's the same thing. Um, you know, I think the challenge becomes balancing out production and getting product out into the stores versus safety. Yeah. And a lot of companies talk safety first, safety number one, uh, but the reality is they want to get the product out. So I'm working very hard to help them understand that, one, we lose most of our new hires in the first couple of weeks because they come off the couch playing video games and they're expected to do all this amount of work and either they just can't handle it or they get hurt. Um, Another thing that we've implemented uh, based on my sports training is we're starting to bring athletic trainers in on site uh, for early intervention with, with our workers. You know, obviously. Yeah, real smart. I I think that's absolutely, you know, you you talk about these kinds of challenges and, the three words we use on the sports doctor all the time is awareness, education, and then the positive change. 
the idea, the awareness of this is the challenges. Like he just mentioned, I still got it in my head picturing 200 times an hour with 40 pound cases, uh, doing this, you know, uh, uh, consistently. And so, so often, and the, and, uh, yeah. the fact that again, this education really trying to add this, uh, to the mix and then making again, whatever changes, uh, that are necessary, uh, to be as proactive, like you said, preseason or, uh, what was the word everybody would use? Prehab? Is there a website yeah. that you've got information on yourself, either chiropractic or whatever with what you're doing, that people could find out about some of your programs, Scott? Not, not really. Not really, Bob. Uh, in, in, in my previous life in the chiropractic world. I was going to say, yes, yes. I did. Okay. But, yeah. But are you still, I, I understand you had a couple of number one doubles players over this past, very, very recently, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I had two players that I've worked with for 10 years or more uh, that actually reached the number one position in the world in doubles this year. So very excited about those guys. And real quick, you know the story of one of them, uh, Alex Rigidus. The guy asked me to come in, work with him for a year or two to keep them together. Uh, all kinds of knee, hip, back issues. We worked yes. on that. Great you know, again, toe. Alex Rigidus, the inability of the big toe. To work very well. I knew the time would fly yeah. by uh, with you, yeah. uh, Dr. Scott Clark, sports chiropractic physician, now really paying big attention to the industrial athlete side uh, with Dr. Pepper. I want to thank you so much for coming back. I'm going to have you back, of course. You're on our faculty in the near future, Dr. Scott Clark. So, uh, Scott, thanks so much for coming back. Great talking to you again, Dr. Bob. Take care. Yeah. Hold on quickly, Scott. We'll be right back, everybody. Sure. Sports Doc. Sure. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Bob Weil, a sports doctor. I'm excited to announce the release of my new book, co-written with Sharky Zartman, Hashtag Hey Sports Parents. An essential guide for any parent with a child in sports. You know, Sharky is a former Hall of Fame volleyball player. She's the mom of two daughters who became Division I volleyball players. Together, we have over 70 years of combined youth sports experience. The goal of the book? Give you the essential tools and guidance to make your experience as a sports parent the best it could be. Hashtag Hey Sports Parents is divided into four sections. The first section... Sports Parenting 101. Sharky talks everything about uh, parenting, about coaching, that whole uh, interaction between parents and coaches, coaching your own kid. Uh, What are the things to really pay attention to? The second section is the Sports Doctors In, yours truly. Uh, My discussion of injury prevention and treatment, choosing the best shoes, youth sports and drugs, essential exercises, the dilemma of youth football, orthotics, Third section, uh, experts speak out. We bring together eight different experts in nutrition and sports performance and mental training in all aspects of coaching in that section. The last section is the parents' perspective, some insights from about a half a dozen parents of athletes. So everyone, hey, get out your megaphone, spread the word. Now available on Amazon. Order now. You'll be more confident. So will your young athlete. Hashtag, hey, sports parents. Hey, everybody. Dr. Bob here. LER, Lower Extremity Review Magazine, is celebrating their 10th anniversary. It's been a decade of providing key Uh, clinical and practical information about concerns, conditions, and treatment solutions for the lower extremity, both sports and non-sports alike. LER is the only multidisciplinary publication for doctors of all specialties, educators, therapists, and trainers. They inform practitioners on current developments in the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of lower extremity injuries. LER prides itself on editorial integrity and evidence-based content Their tagline, collaborative care for better outcomes, says it all. Hey, colleagues, go to LERmagazine.com.
Sportsbook.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back live from Chicago. It is the Sports Doctor. I'm Dr. Bob Wild, sports podiatrist. I'm welcoming back my son, Adam Weil, who is the CEO of Global Schoolwear, school uniforms by Tommy Hilfiger. Uh, Adam, welcome back to the Sports Doctor. Thanks, Dad. It's great to be here. Great. Give me, you know, Adam, I know you've been involved with school uniform worlds for, gosh, a couple decades, I think. Give me some background on the, your school uniform background and leading into the relationship with Tommy Hilfiger. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, I've been doing it, gosh, I guess almost 20 years now. Um, and I started with a smaller company in Chicago, um, really learned, uh, you know, I didn't have a lot of familiarity with school uniforms in general. I didn't grow up wearing them, um, but sort of fell into the business um, at a, a company in Chicago. I ended up working at Land's End and helping them to build their uniform program um, for uh, a few or a few years, which led me to this, which is Global School with Tommy Hilfiger and um, all that um Stuff I've learned over the years, all the all the good things, all the mistakes, learning from them, and trying to put it together to have what I think is a really great program now for schools across the country. We've got you know several several hundred schools. We're in all fifty states now. Talk a little bit about uh, you know the relationship again with Tommy Hilfiger. He's a fashion guy, and you know sometimes you think of school uniforms, and people used to yawn with the idea of school uniforms. This is something who wants to wear this or whatever. And this whole new world of some really stylish stuff. Um, how did that come together with uh, Tommy Hilfiger? Oh, well, that that came together with a company that I was working with in New York prior to the opportunity for um, us to purchase the company. And I, you know, with that with that company in New York, we partnered with the folks at Tommy Hilfiger. They wanted to get involved um, with uh, with me and the idea around going directly to schools and customers for school uniform. And what's exciting about Tommy is that um, it's in the, in the space in this space, I think it's really the only brand that kids really love and like to wear, and that makes you know for schools that are going to uniform for the first time, or even schools that are getting kids to wear uniforms every day, um, it being a brand that they can that they know that they like that they trust is super super helpful. And then also, you know, we try to make I call it trend right uniforms, not trendy, but things that fit well, that look good, and that um, you know kids today want to wear. Well, that, I, I, again, to me, that is such a big deal, uh, you know, g- growing up and remembering and thinking it all about school uniforms. It was something that was, uh, I can't remember any of the kids in private school who ever talked about how they liked wearing a school uniform. And you guys have changed that whole situation around. And uh, we talked about it when you were on a couple of years ago, how I felt uh, uh, the role, you know, a big topic on the sports doctor with kids sports is the whole world of bullying and all of these kinds of attitudinal challenges that families have. And one of the areas of concern has always been uh, what these kids are wearing in school. So the role that school uniforms kids want to wear, I think, is very valuable. I would imagine uh, schools and parents are excited about that part of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge factor, especially when a lot of schools are considering going to uniforms for the first time is the socioeconomic um, factors that go into a school. So you have kids that, you know, certain kids, that cannot afford or buy the same things as others, um, maybe feel bad or feel different or singled out. And that, that's all eliminated with a school uniform. And I always say, you know, there's this kind of a thing we say, which is it allows the schools to concentrate on what the kids are learning and not what they're wearing. So, I guess that's a, a big, big deal. Factor. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a very, very big deal. Um, the, the, is the, um, the school uniform world, is that something that's included also, Adam, uh, public schools at all? Well, it is. There's a we we don't um, service a lot of public schools. A lot of public schools have what's called a dress code requirement, where maybe they don't have logos on the stuff that they wear. But um, yeah, about twenty percent of public schools across the country have some sort of guidelines for their students on what to wear. Now, it's a big increase, and the, the result of that is that more parochial and private schools have gone to uniform to separate themselves, I guess, in their minds from what the public schools are doing. So, uniform in general has been uh, certainly growing. Uh, year over year for a long time now. Right. And people can go to globalschoolwear.com to find out about all the details and everything else. Um, talk about the excitement of this new 80,000 square foot warehouse facility outside of Milwaukee that you guys just recently opened. Um, wow. 
Yeah, we, we um, broke ground um, a little over a year ago. We moved in in March. Uh, we um, kind of consolidated everything we're doing under one roof in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Um, we've been um, lucky enough to really been growing uh, significantly over the last few years, and we needed a lot more space. And also, you know, we had rented a facility, and then we had sort of bent that facility to what we need. This time we were able to build a facility that was made for what we do. So it allows us to be a lot more efficient and provide a much, much better and more more um, timely service to the customers. Ah, so in the, with the world of school uniform, who sets the dress code? The schools or the school uniform company? <laughs> the schools, that's a good question. But the school, we have a pretty big assortment. We've got, um, you know, over 100 styles and that people could choose from and colors. So basically, we give that um, menu to the schools. And then they can pick from those to create what their own uniform is. And then we have a custom platform for their school's parents to go to where they can order those uniforms. Those orders come to us. We customize those garments to fit their needs and send them right out to the parents. Is it, is it high schools? Does it include elementary schools? What are the, uh, the age parameters, grade parameters that, that uh, you guys uh, service? We go all the way from pre-K or toddler up through high school. So we have, just high schools, we have um, K-12 schools, we have elementary schools, but we do service from a product perspective, um, schools that go from kids that are, you know, two and three years old until they graduate from high school. I'm trying to remember. you got to remind me whether or not, like, did Montessori have, well, they didn't have school uniforms. Did they, they don't now. No, do no, they? they did, but there is that great picture of uh, me and Jordan in our Montessori sweatshirts when we were two or three years old. I remember those. Yeah. And some I Montessori mean. schools, we do have some Montessori schools now that do. I think it's just a choice. The Montessori school decides whether or not they want a uniform. Um, and then in that case, if we happen to be servicing them, then we provide it for those parents. You know, and still you think about the uh, the private school world. And again, the I didn't know that there were any public schools at all that even were, whether it was allowable. How acceptable is it for public schools to at least um, check out school uniforms? I think it is. I mean, if you look at cities like New Orleans, where 95% of that, Public, the public schools there are in uniform. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, it, it becomes something, you know, it, it, it's another way where it saves parents money. That's the other thing is that a parent can go in and buy, um, you know, spend a couple hundred dollars probably on their uniform versus what you would spend on average, which is well over $300, $350 in back-to-school clothing for your kids. And then you can also just not have to worry about it every day when they get into that uniform and go to school. And in public schools, they can all, you know, be dressed similarly. Um, which can also help with that socioeconomic um, issue we talked about earlier. So from a public school perspective, listen, I can tell you it's never easy. Uh, There's not a lot of kids that are raising their hand generally when a school does go to uniform the first time. It's a process. But once you get over the hump of it, it ends up being something I think that the kids, that the administration, um, and that the parents are all happy they did. Oh, especially if the kids themselves and or parents could be excited about the styles that are available. Uh, you know, you'd think that that becomes then again a big, you know, I never thought really the socioeconomic about the fact that school uniforms, which cost money, actually could save families money uh, regarding their kids' clothing. Absolutely. I mean, there were some really good stats on it a couple of years ago where, you know, the average spend, family was spending $350, $400 on back-to-school clothing um, per student. Jeez, is and, that what it, you know, without, is that what it cost us for you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember, you know, way back when, I don't know, you know, now that I'm, uh, you know, with my kids. But I can tell you, you know, with we've got two boys, right? I've got Lincoln, who has a dress code um, at uh, his school, and he is, you know, wears kind of the same thing every day, and it costs a lot less than it does to outfit Griffin. I can promise you that. Yeah, I think that, that that's a uh, uh, really a, an interesting uh, a point of view. So in the in the new warehouse, you have everything from your executive offices to all the manufacturing uh, and all aspects of. Um, are you guys in all fifty states? Yeah, we're servicing schools in all fifty states. We don't manufacture out of our warehouse. We manufacture all of our clothing, then we bring it in. We house it in the warehouse. We do have our offices there. So it, if an order comes in, you know, it gets picked at the warehouse, and we also embroider, we heat transfer, we hem. Um, those orders get put back together, and they get shipped out. Who manufactures all these things? Well, we do, but we have our partners overseas where we make all of our clothing. Okay, yeah, and I would think, again, that the, uh, uh, 
What what percentage of private schools, Adam, would uh, would you say have school uniforms um, routinely? Well, there's there's something around thirty five thousand private parochial schools wow. across the country. I would say about eighty percent of them have some sort of a requirement, right, that they need, uh, whether it be a uniform. And then there's the whole world of physical education and PE too, which we do a lot of. So. You know, there's a lot of schools. There's certain schools that might not have a school uniform, but they do have um, PE for the kids. They have, uh, you know, physical education uniform, and we do that as well. I I would think that that yeah, that's an interesting avenue into the like you said the uh, in, in the uh, public uh, area again where there would be um, gym uniforms. I think it's pretty routine in all uh, different high schools. You have a uh, you do have uh, shorts and a t-shirt you wear for gym class, right? It does, and it really it matters. You know, everybody. There's certain schools choose when it's just PE to service it maybe differently. Some is done by that by a parent group, right? Some is done out of a school store. Um, you know, and others just want to outsource it completely, and that's where we come into play. Where you know they can just um, kind of set it and forget it, and the parents can order what they need. And you know, then we give a rewards program back with the schools. We give five percent of everything that gets sold back to the schools that they can use for scholarships or whatever they want to do. And the, what are some of the different um, garment examples that go into the school uniform um, uh, uh, armamentarium? What's involved? Sport jacket? Shirt, First of all, uh, fantastic little word, fantastic word you used there. Uh, but uh, so if you're asking about, like, what is the menu of stuff that they, they choose yes. from, you know, so you've got polos, right? So you've got, um, you've got shorts, you've got pants. Polos and all that. We think we do polos in 12 different colors. You've got sweaters. You've got skirts and skorts and jumpers, right? Whether they're being, being plain colors uh, or plaids. We do over 50 different plaids for our schools. Um, you've got ties. You've got uh, jackets. You've got um, one of the big things that we do is sort of formal dress. So you've got Oxford shirts for boys and girls, right? And maybe more dressy pants. Um, all that, the whole array of what you might imagine. So we, we have a lot of different styles and a lot of different colors. It sort of fits everybody's needs. Because uh, well, I, what I remember, I'm thinking of, of any girls' school uniforms, and right away I'm thinking of pleated skirts. <laughs> right. it, that's, that's, it's called, yeah, we do a box pleat skirt. So it's a, it's a pleat that goes all the way around. That's one of the biggest traditional pieces there is. Are there any shorts in the world of school uniforms for girls? Yeah, we do shorts and we do skorts as well. So skort being, right, a skirt that also has the shorts on the inside of it. We sell a lot of skorts. But, um, and yeah, absolutely, we do a lot of shorts and pants. Girls do a lot of pants too, right? Flat front pants are really big. Are there any colleges in the world that have school uniforms? Um, I don't, I think it's pretty rare and it's not something that we really, um, Right. Whether it whether it fits in at all, again, it's globalschoolwear.com, all information regarding um, global schoolware. We're talking with Adam Weil. Number one, he's my son. Number two, he's the CEO. And we're going to be right back. It's the Sports Doctor. Hey, everybody. MVP Parent Magazine is special. Evidence based topics on all areas of youth sports. Rich Dubin, a sports dad himself, takes his three decades of publishing. He just celebrated the 12th anniversary of the acclaimed LER Lower Extremity Review magazine, one of sports doctors' key supporters, and he pours it into MVP Parent. Factual evidence-based info on such key topics like physical and mental training, nutrition, injury awareness, treatment, recovery, and prevention. I am proud to be a contributor to MVP Parent with the Sports Doctor is In article in each issue. Go to MVPParent.com. MVPParent.com. Hey, it's Dr. Bob. School Uniforms by Tommy Hilfiger is setting a new standard within the school uniform market. More schools are understanding the value that uniforms provide, school pride and identification being one of them. Another is a well-recognized reduction of student pressure to keep up with classmates in the real world of what to wear each day to school. School Uniforms by Tommy Hilfiger provides amazing quality and value to its partner schools and families. It is truly the first brand in this market that students are excited about wearing. Go to the website, 
globalschoolware.com. Globalschoolware.com. Hey, everybody, we're back live from Chicago. Adam, how do you like that? You think I placed that commercial for you? <laughs> I think the commercial sounds pretty good. Sounds really I, good. Uh-huh. I, I, really, we, how do you like that placement? I thought we would have some fun on the second segment here with Adam. We did it last time he was on where um, he sort of interviewed me. He, we had some different comments and whatever. Um, are you there, Professor? I'm here. I'm here, which is, this is, this is the, now it becomes the interesting part of the show, right? Where you <laughs> learn a little about you. And uh, so how long have you been doing um, a radio show, Dad? Uh, I, you know, oh, as old as you are, I, somewhere around 45 to 50 years, um, starting in Elmhurst, Illinois, uh, with the late, great Bob Guida. Uh, where we did a uh, show, and uh, I, I've been involved in it um, ever since 20 years at the College of DuPage, WDCD. I think you were on when you were like five years old. I still have the tape. Well, yeah, that I don't know if we have the tape, but that was right around the holidays or Christmas, and we were on for sure. Um, we were, you had me, and I think Jordan was with me, and we yes. did uh, a few minutes with you on the radio, which was great. and. Uh, you know, and it's interesting So you, you know, back then, I remember as a kid, uh, you know, you being uh, with all those different Chicago athletes and stuff and uh, with Bill Buckner and John McEnroe and, and you took John McEnroe. I mean, he stayed with us, didn't he? And he had he borrowed your car for a while, didn't he? Yeah, well, he came in, you know, he came in to see Gaida. He was like uh, 20 years old, like the early 80s. I remember he was you know, yelling on the phone with his late dad, whatever. And uh, he he stayed at uh, 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 a hotel, but I, I did love, let him borrow the car. And of course, in the world of tennis, when you know, Tracy Austin, I remember showed up. I think you had a crush on Tracy Austin when you were growing up. But yeah, it was an exciting time with the, the great Bob Guida and the athletes that he attracted with my involvement with him. And uh, you uh, experienced all of that. It was it was really some great stuff. No, it was great. I remember I had hurt my shoulder skateboarding and I was sitting, I think I had Leslie Frazier on one side and Richard Dent on the other. As a matter of fact, Richard Dent had let me put on his Super Bowl ring way back when. I could basically put my whole hand through it. It was so big. His hands were giant. Uh, but I remember all that as a kid. And then I remember, you know, the, the, the tennis world too. I remember Jimmy Connors and John McEnroe and all of the, all those great times, which was really amazing. I mean, you had a pretty... Those were amazing times, right? Yes. I was still involved in so many different ways. Uh, you know, again, my, my real, real passion, again, the world of figure skating uh, and, uh, you know, the, the 2010 men's Olympic gold medalist, Evan Lysacek, was 10 years old when we put orthotics in his skates. I'm still putting orthotics in hotshot 10-year-olds' uh, uh, skates. So it's, uh, the, the sports medicine world has always been an exciting uh, part of uh, what was going on. And, of course, you grew up, you were an athlete your whole life, and uh, I think we kept you out of trouble most of the time, didn't we? <laughs> well, what's interesting is that we did it because I had a cast on quite often. I would, uh, I cried, I kicked the sign and broke my ankle. I, I uh, you know, I hurt my ankle. So was, I was always a good patient. You were always doing tests on me. I remember you were trying to see if aloe would work when I had gotten an infection in my leg. So it took a little bit longer to heal. Do you remember that? <laughs> I, that I do. I would be, yes. We still, aloe vera, one of the greatest topical uh, uh, plants for reducing swelling, reducing inflammation, antibacterial. Uh, yes. Yeah, so in the beginning of taking a look at that, we wanted to include you in the test cases, uh, that, uh, I think you, you came through with, uh, with, with flying colors in, uh, in, in one regard. Uh, so yeah, live radio, we still do it live. So I could be talking to you, you know, in shorts and a t-shirt, it's always been an exciting, unless I would have a guest on, Adam, who they got mixed up with the time zones, then we might have a problem uh, where I'd have to uh, uh, have my dancing shoes on in order to be able to uh, come up uh, with some, uh, some different topics, whether it was the, the book or a, a past guest, uh, and, or maybe it was you at Eric Soderholm's baseball camp as a 10, 11, 12-year-old. Yeah, well, there, there was a lot of that, but what, and you also... 
you know, moving forward to current times, I mean, you just really helped uh, my son Lincoln, who's in cross country, right? Uh, yes, you know, Lincoln, who jumped into cross country as a 15-year-old, you know, seriously running 5K races, and uh, all of a sudden running into some shin problems and the same orthotics that I tried to sell him on a couple of years ago, because uh, it's not like he had all sorts of problems, uh, that he threw him in a drawer. And once he started running so aggressively, his legs were really bothering him. We jumped back into the same orthotics, saved him for another day. So absolutely. It did. Actually, he... He, he put him in, and uh, within a week or two, he was, he was doing much, much better. Now he's fine. So uh, it was uh, super, super great um, what happened. I mean, awesome. Hey, so let's get into just something real. I don't know how much time we have, but what's the over-under for you on the Bears this year? How many games are they going to win? Uh, I, I so think now one and four, right? Uh, currently one and four. Let's talk about Louisville at 6-0, and who just beat Notre Dame. Uh, now ranked in the top 15, but the Bears an incredible enigma. As you know, uh, the great sports writer, Rick Tellender, has been a frequent guest of mine, and he was uh, uh, absolutely ranting and raving. But Justin Fields, new excitement over these past couple of games. You know, Dad, uh, I, so- I got to hold you to this. This is, this is typical for all of your listeners here. You're, you're sitting on the fence. I'm going to ask you again. How many games are the Bears going to win their one and four? Your I think I think they're going to win at least five. I think uh, they're going to they're going to win some games, uh, and uh, but it's really been a um, there was so much anticipation. You've been a Bears fan forever. I still have a post-it note that you left in the office. Hey, Dad, I love you. Go Bears! <laughs> you know, I, I, I wonder when not. I wrote that. Listen, I think they're going to be better than that. I think that they're going to surprise me. They're not going to maybe go to the playoffs, but I think they could end up winning seven or eight games. And I think the question is going to come up at the end of the year, do you stay with Justin Fields or do you go draft another quarterback? Well, now we're going to see. I think in the next half dozen games, we're going to answer that question. I think this kid could be terrific. I think it's been very, very difficult because he's run into, you know, we know what a, uh, how big the mental game is. And there's tremendous, the criticism and all of these things. I think he's handled it very, very well. He's got great, great talent. And again, all they needed was a couple of wins. And so let's see, these next few games are going to be crucial. Uh, I think there's a good chance he's the guy. But uh, again, oh, yeah, I am. As I'm talking to you. I'm sitting on a fence, aren't I? Let, let me, let, you are, but let me ask you this. Do you think this is an interesting question? You'll, you'll have a good opinion on maybe if we if um, something that Jim Henry would have would have would have uh, weighed in on. Do you think Twitter, social media, twenty four seven opinion, talk radio, and television puts way too much pressure on these guys now? Not only on these guys, on your on my grandson. The the well, you social, know what, but, but no, but you know what I mean. Like I, I every yeah. time I turn on, yeah, or, or, you know, the answer is yes. They're talking about that's why. Yeah, we're almost out of time. The answer is yes. The players need to be very, very aware and be savvy on how they mix in with all this 24-7 stuff. There's no doubt about it. It's a big challenge, and it's a big area of expertise for sports psychology. Again, Adam, globalschoolware.com. I knew you'd throw some stuff my way. Hold on. We're going to be coming right back. It's the sports doctor. Thanks, Adam. Hold on. The station that makes you feel good. It used to be hard to find the world's most wonderful alcohol-free drinks. Not anymore. Whether it's a health thing, a lifestyle thing, or you're trying new things. Make sure you save yourself from the guessing game of the supermarket shelves and shop with zerozilchzip.co.uk for the world's most carefully curated range of alcohol-free beers, wines, spirits, and more. Health Radio listeners can save 5% with the code HEALTH5. Visit zerozilchzip.co.uk or click our banner on the UK Health Radio website. Discover alcohol freedom with Zero Zilch Zip. Because nothing's better. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is the Sports Doctors in segment where I preview some upcoming shows and guests. I add a little Bob Guider wisdom and answer a few emails. We've got a great show coming up next week. One of the country's leading neurosurgeons, concussion experts, uh, previous guest, Dr. Amir uh, Hadani, will be uh, coming back. And then Jessica Beal-Stahl. She is a sports pharmacist which is a great area, all these years of sports medicine. I never heard that title. So we're very excited about her uh, joining us. The following week, uh, sports philanthropy, another great area. Roy Kessel, the founder of this group of sports philanthropy, will be joining me. And then Christine Blanchett. Christine hosts Run With It. For the past few years, I've done a monthly segment called The Sports Doctor is In on her show. She's a producer. She's got a, um, a celebrity uh, show on TV that she does as well as her run with it. So she'll be coming back and rejoining us. Uh, Guida, you know, it's funny. My first guest, Scott Clark, uh, spent a lot of time with Bob. We mentioned it in, in uh, the segment we had. Guy that paid so much attention, he'd say, strengthen the opposites, strengthen the breaks. Again, the sample I used with Dr. Scott Clark was the tennis player swinging a racket a thousand times a week, and Bob paying such attention to all the muscles that control that, slow it down, stabilize it. When he was doing the rehab with the great Jim McMahon, with, after his shoulder procedure, Bob paid so much attention to all those muscles in the back, the neck that stabilize the shoulder, strengthen the opposites, whether we're talking running, jumping, or throwing. Some emails. Shirley says, my 12-year-old daughter plays uh, serious club volleyball. She's always having problems with her knees. You know, Shirley, this is a great example of what I talked about on the Sports Doctor Forever Half the young girls I see, whatever this sport is, it's knee trouble. And again, I'm a sports podiatrist. See podiatry. Pay attention to her foot mechanics. I can't tell you what great success we've had when we add custom orthotics to everything else you're probably doing in rehab, physical therapy, etc. Often, if your daughter's feet don't hurt, that part of this is ignored where the the knee specialist will be he'll even operate on our knees before he'll pay attention to this segment see podiatry look at orthotic big time be really really helpful tom says i'm a high school coach i want you to just expand on the two essential exercises you talk about all the time in your book hashtag a sports parents absolutely number one strengthen your feet and ankles no matter what your youth sport is, no matter what the age is or the level, we want to add routinely strengthening the feet and ankles, rubber band work, tilt boards, other kinds of stabilizer pieces of equipment, the great sand dune stepper, mini trampolines. And that gets into the second part besides strengthening feet and ankles, work, balance, and stability. Think of standing and balancing one foot at a time on a mini trampoline, working with some of these tilt boards, using something like the BOSU. Uh, check out Instagram and the Sand Dune Stepper, which simulates uh, sand as far as the gripping power and stability challenges of the feet. So those are the two basics. And it's no different for you or seniors. Add to your exercises, strengthening your feet and ankles, in a few minutes, you can work all areas of foot ankle with rubber bands, as well as balance, including balance. It's interesting, you know, uh, one of our frequent guests, physical, physical therapy and balance centers, that's the title of the facility and balance centers, fall prevention, such a big deal for seniors and super seniors and everybody else. Um, every time you create imbalance, Bob Guider would call it instability training. Create instability, demand the body to balance. This is where you really want to be. Tim says, my 15-year-old son, he's a runner, 
I mentioned it with my son on him. He said, shin problems, big attention to foot mechanics. Although you need a diagnosis, shin splints is not a medical diagnosis. It could be a stress fracture. It could be tendonitis. It could be a muscle inflammation. Uh, chronic, persistent shin problems, almost always the foot-related. I've been putting orthotics in runner's shoes for decades, four shin problems with great success adding it to everything else that runner's doing, strengthening, physical therapy, other kinds of uh, modalities. So pay big attention. Is he in the right shoe for his foot mechanics? And I don't care if he's got perfect foot mechanics. If he's got chronic shin problems, you want to pay big attention uh, to the role of orthotics. You know, again, uh, the month of October, mental health. You know, on the sports doctor, we call it uh, the mental game whether you're the best athlete in the world, whether you're their coach or parents, whatever the level, we pay big attention to the mental game in the book, hashtag hey sports parents uh, with, with uh, psychiatrist um, uh, Denise McDermott, mental coach at the Institute of Sports Performance, Robert Andrews, uh, mental health, such a challenge, whether it's our youth, the world of social media, uh, the whole uh, uh, challenge of um, bullying, uh, sticking with your exercise program. Uh, the, it's interesting, no matter where in the world my guests are from, especially since the pandemic, no matter what their vocation or, or profession, mental health, big deal. Breast Cancer Awareness Month, such a big deal. So many families and individuals affected by this. Uh, again, education, awareness uh, are such important keys. You know, quickly, the book, hashtag hey, sports parents available through Amazon uh, is as important now as it ever was. Again, my co-author, Hall of Famer, volleyballer, kinesiologist, um, Sharky Zartman. Uh, she's, her latest book is Shark Sense. Great stuff on all sorts of philosophy of life. You can check that out. She talks about sports parenting 101 in the first section of the book. I have the sports doctors in all sorts of areas. What's the best shoe? What about orthotics? Uh, What about uh, all these areas in the second aspect of the book? The third part of the book, we have eight different experts. Again, nutrition, uh, coaching, parenting, psychology, physical training, uh, adding their two cents to what it takes to parent a child athlete. And the last section, parents' perspectives, some insight from a half a dozen parents of kids I've treated of the um, uh, different areas regarding uh, all the challenges. Uh, so hashtag hey, sports parents, it's available. Uh, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Scott Clark, my son, Adam, our friends at BBS Radio. Catch you next week, everybody. It's a sports doctor. Thank you. Thank you.